This is iFanboy Mediasplode, episode 22, The Book of Boba Fett, season 1. My fanboy media explode episode 22 my name is connor kilpatrick and i'm here with josh lanigan hello and ron richards hey my good friends how are you this is the monthly media show unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy where we talk about non-comic book media and stuff we've been enjoying normally we talk about comic books this is our media show and there'll be spoilers as we talk about things we've been watching and the book of boba fett and all kinds of stuff so if you haven't watched the things we're talking about use the show notes and exercise of caution we're very excited to get to our main topic, but before we do, we always like to start the show off with talking about what we've been enjoying since the last time we spoke a month ago, and I will start, and since our last show, we had the Oscar nominations, and at least for Ron and I, it's a very exciting time of the year, we try to watch all the nominated Best Picture films, and so as of this recording time, of the 10 nominees, I've watched seven. Wow, you caught up, or too. Or six, six, maybe. Yeah, so at Maybe the time six. of the at the time of the announcements, you only had four, so you've watched more. I've watched six. I've watched six. Okay. I'm sorry, six. I'm I'm at one, two, three, four, five. I've seen five. So over the winter break, I watched The Power of the Dog and Don't Look Up. But in the last month, I've watched Belfast, Coda, Dune, and Nightmare Alley. So I'm getting there. I saw Don't Look Up over the holidays. I saw Dune in the theater. I saw Licorice Pizza in the theater. I just watched Nightmare Alley like two nights ago, three nights ago, and I saw West Side Story in the theater. I don't think, Connor, I will make it to all 10. Mm. I think that, you know, I'm definitely going to watch Belfast. I might watch Coda. Coda's on Apple TV. It's free. And free or not is no is no. Right, but like some things, like I think Drive My Car is only in theater, so there's No, it's coming, it's coming to HBO Max, they said. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's coming to HBO Max. So I might watch Drive My Car. I, no desire to watch King Richard? None. Well, just none. No, Lindsay watched it. She said nothing that would make me say you made the wrong call. Really? Every time Will Smith shows up in a movie for me now, I'm like, he's still trying for his Oscar, and it's going to be bland, just like all the other movies where he tried for his Oscar. Well, actually, I'll give credit to my wife. My wife is like, she's like, you know, she's like, I kind of don't like the fact that these two immensely successful women in their field, and they all owe it to their father. Like, it's another back padding, you know, like. If this movie was about. <laughs> Serena and Venus Williams and not about Will Smith, I would be more right. interested in it. Keep in mind, they developed the film and wanted to make it about their father. I get it. Sure. No, I, under, I understand that. I, I, do, I, I do understand that. And that's the other thing, too, which yeah, is but I, can I just you can't tell me who the... played the kids, who played the people who are famous right. and did the work? But again, they wanted to make them film about also, their father. Also, to be so fair, not gonna I don't know anything up. about this. I just see Will Smith once again going for his big dramatic role, and I'm like, what if you just did more Wild Wild West type stuff? I think that would make everyone happy. The movie that almost tanked his career? Well. Or stop playing real people and do like a compelling yes. good story. You know what I mean? That's not about something. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just. It, I don't know. The thing about him that was always charming was when he did his thing and I just haven't found anything to be compelling. I can't. I remember like it started off early. I was like really into the idea of Ali. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And I was like, that wasn't very good. And he's never gotten me no. past. I can't think of a Will Smith movie I've enjoyed in a very long time. 
I'm looking at his I'm looking at his IMDB list, right? And it's, it's just, just all like B's and C's. All right. of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he shows up in the thing that's supposed to be his great new tour de force, it's like you've said that to me so many times. You know, and right. it, and it just never it's not like I was like, I'm not watching that, and everyone else was like, Oh my god, you gotta see it's amazing. They've all been forgettable. Every single one. I'm just looking at his and I know that I know intellectually they're different. But for a moment, Hancock and Hitch, I thought were the same movie. I mean, <laughs> they may as well have been. Yeah, you know? it's just I, I don't. It, it's fascinating to see how much of this. I, I don't know. I, I feel bad because I like him. I do like him. Of course, as, you like you know, him. And I, yeah, but you like him yeah. in you know Independence Day and Bad Boys. And right. but he was 25 when he made those movies. It's true. So he's not going to make those same movies at 55. Right. He's got to pay different kind of character. Totally. But have any of the movies since then? Go down this list. Aladdin, Bright, Suicide Squad, Concussion, Focus. Concussion was terrific. Okay, there's one. Bright was amusing but awful. After Earth, <laughs> that was not good. Seven Pounds, yeah. Hancock. You're skipping I, Men in Black I'm 3. I'm skipping a, because that's already, because that's counted. People like that. Yeah. I Am I, Legend, where he plays I, Robert I, Neville. <laughs> I, I Am Legend, I went to see in the theater. I was like, let's do this. I can't believe yeah. that was 20 or 14 years ago. But either, like... Yeah, that's... I robot. I remember just like, and this was during the period in the 2000s where I was like, all right, let's give him a shot. Let's see his other stuff. And they just all were fine. And that's what he does. He yeah. does movies that are fine. Yeah. Connor, what do you think? You haven't, this would be the thing where you usually tell me I'm being an asshole. I think he's been making boring decisions for a long time. That's, yes, there you go. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm getting at. And so therefore, yeah. when, when Oscar time he comes even around. Bo- he even seemed bored in Suicide Squad. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. I can't blame him for that. Yeah. So anyway, the point of this is that next month we're going to do a whole Oscars show. Do you want to sub somebody in for me? You did it last <laughs> Maybe. year, you're fine, but we can if you want. So we'll do a whole Oscar show. We'll go down the movies we watched, what we thought of them. I've seen five, by the way, in case anybody was curious. Not bad. Not not bad. Yeah. Which ones have you seen? Pull up the list so I wouldn't forget. i seen Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Dune, and Power of the Dog. I guess I saw four. Really? I thought that yeah. I watched Nightmare Alley since then. I'm going to watch Belfast very soon. I just haven't had a chance to lately. Yeah, I think Belfast I'm definitely going to watch. Here's, I mean, uh, and I'll give you like, my capsule. Like, Power of the Dog was terrible. Well, no, no, save it. Oh, no, save no, 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 we're doing this. We just literally just said we're doing this next Yeah, no, I, I get it, but save I'm just it. telling you. I'm just going to say ahead. We, we don't. It's terrible. No, 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 stop, stop, no, no. stop, stop. Everyone needs to know. Stop. It's terrible. Stop. Power of the Dog is people terrible. Need, people need to know. Don't waste your <laughs> what time. What is that from? What is that from? People need to know. The people need to know. I'm so angry at that movie. Like I was just like I can't, I can't believe I sat through that. Oh, JFK, that's what it is. Kevin Bacon. People oh, gotta oh, right. know. Yeah, people gotta know. <laughs> no, I, I will watch Belfast. I might watch Coda. I might watch Drive My Car, and I I will watch Power of the Dog. So I'll I'll definitely get to eight or nine. I'm by not going to see West Side Story. I have never heard of Coda or Drive My Car until this exact. It's going to be on Disney Plus in March. It's going to be on Disney it's, Plus in March. Yeah, watch the- it. No, honestly, watch it. I would love to. I'm not I would arguing. Love to I just said just- I didn't. I've never heard of it. That's all I said. You've never heard of West, West Side Story? Oh, West Side Story? No, I don't want to watch that. I don't give a shit about that. Why would I want to watch that? Watch it. Do you know me? Do you know the kinds of things I like? Is there any part of you that thinks that I would like that? Do you like the original? I've never the seen the original. 
Cue the outrage. You've never seen the original? You, no, I'm not, I'm not being outraged. I just, it's, no. it's like, oh, man. I grew up in a different place than you did, and those were parts Hold of Hold on, you growing. didn't take music and media class? In, yeah, no, it was the music and the media with, with oh, what was his name, Connor? I don't know. I don't know. Roth, we, Rothbard? Rothbard? We, we I never took that class. With his story in that movie. Never took that class. Oh, man. Music and the media was an awesome class that both Connor and I took in college that was like, it was one of those like at, from seven to nine. Yeah, it was t- once a week, like in the evening. And we spent what, like three weeks on West Side Story. Yeah. Like, it, oh, it was great. Uh, that Josh, that's the class that I wrote the paper on light motifs in film and wrote it on Star Wars. Mm. And the night before the paper was due, I was like, "Well, let me put Star Wars in because I got to watch it so I can like analyze the music." And then uh, this is freshman year, by the way. And then I got to the end of Star Wars. And I'm like, "Well, now I got to watch Empire." So then we watched Empire, and I'm like, "Well, now I got to watch Jedi." And so now it's like, can you imagine that? Two in the morning. And I've got, to, I've got to write the paper. And I'm like, well, I don't remember anything from Star Wars. So let me put Star Wars back in. And now it's like 5 a.m. and I'm writing the paper the day it's due. <laughs> I, didn't, I never wrote a paper earlier than the day before it was due, usually starting at 11 uh, or 12. My trick, here's my trick. And anybody listening who's in college, I'll share this trick with you. It was, very, it was you, the best trick I had in college. People in college now at all anyway. Well, no, yeah. they're 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 using they're using Microsoft Word or Google Docs. Or they? they're, they're using a computer to type their, it's an their papers. An AI program right? now. They just say some stuff into it about <laughs> hype and drip and shade and sus, and then something pops out. It's mostly emoticon. <laughs> Here's the trick: I would make the font size eight point type, and I would make the margins like a half an inch or a quarter of an inch. And then I would just type until I couldn't type anymore. And then I would make the margins one inch and make the type 12 point and double space it. And voila, I'd normally be at like my the page minimum of the paper. I think that's how I did on iFanboy for years too. I would literally in mid-sentence start concluding. <laughs> like you need an eight-page paper. Like great, I'll just write until I, can, uh, until I couldn't write anymore and then let the font size do the rest of the work. Wow, All right. that's uh, really, really a game changer there, pal. Oscars. The great thing is we haven't had a media explode show go completely off the rails like this. So no, that's it's good. Not, it's out of the way. It's, it's within the. We're not talking about like our personal problems. It's all within the realm of media explodism. <laughs> so we'll get to the the best picture nominees and all the films next time, real quick, because we're already long. Since the last time we talked, I reread The Great Gatsby, and I Whoa. haven't read that since high school. Well, your wife really? has like seventeen copies around, so I was. Uh, I know which which version did you read? Yeah. Which book did you read? <laughs> one of the ones that's that I was allowed. This to read. one was printed in nineteen eighty seven. Wait a minute did she did she sanction which book? Like in she Canada, she released was, one from the collection. I was shown the three I could choose from. <laughs> which one did you choose? She just it bought was just him, one like, of the a, nice a looking trade ones. paperback one at the book. It was one of the it was one of the mass market paperback ones. Yeah, but it's only like hundred and eighty. It's pages very short. Never read it. Short. You can do it. It's a terrific, terrific book. I mean, not saying anything exciting sure. or new here, but yeah. not having read it as an adult, I had a whole new appreciation. Is it for one it of those things nice. where, like, because, like, you know, the people say, like, if you read Catcher in the Rye when you're too old, it doesn't work because you're too old and it's stupid. No, because Catcher's, like Catcher's point, you know, is like the high school angst book right. of all high school angst books. This I never is, read that. This either. is more like the, there's a lot going on in Great Gatsby. It's worth reading, it's a, it's a very fast read. And uh, I'm excited now. Actually, we, we own both of the films, and I might want to watch them both to sort of compare and contrast them. Wait, are we doing the show now? This is Connor's yeah. segment. Yes. I just occurred to me. I thought we were just chatting for a bit. I was on HBO Max, and I was looking at something, and like the recommended film was the Leo, um, what's his name, director Baz Luhrmann, Baz Luhrmann, Gatsby. And I was like, oh, I should watch that again. I haven't seen that since I saw it in the theater. Yeah. And that, that was it. I was like, I should watch that again. And it's funny that you say that, because now you read the I yeah. just watched it about half an hour the other day. He's very good in that film. 
Yeah, yeah, no. There's quibbles with how that film is made and whether it's too over the top, but the amount of uncomfortableness that he brings to that role is terrific. He's really, yeah. very good in that. Yeah, I would like to revisit I haven't it. I seen it other than this part where he toasts. There's apparently <laughs> a bit where he toasts. He holds a glass up, sort of, in a celebratory way. He's in the center of the frame. You may have seen this on the internet. <laughs> I saw that part. That's very funny. Thank you. And then the other thing I did was I watched Reacher on Prime. Oh, how was that? I really liked it. I, I like those kind of stories where, you know, one man comes into town and stops crime with his yeah. giant hands and brain. It's not, for some reason, I thought that was related to the Jack Reacher stuff. Yes, it's Jack Reacher. Oh, it is. Okay. That movie, the Tom Cruise movie, that was a great movie. I was shocked by how good that was. You know, it's based on a successful string of beach reads or airport read novels, you know, action novels. And no one liked the casting of Tom Cruise because Jack Reacher's character is 6'3", 250 pounds. He's a monster. That's the whole point. Like, his character's all built around And Tom Cruise is not. Did they forget? Yeah, but Werner Herzog was in it, so who gives a shit? (laughs) So they cast the giant Alan Richin, who is uh, very funny and very good in the role. And eight-episode crime in a a small southern town, and he gets caught up in it, and I, I loved it. So if you like that kind of thing, it was terrific. Werner Herzog was the villain. How do you not love that? Josh, you go next. For some reason, I listened to like the only episode of WTF I've listened to forever, and I saw the name Bob Spitz. And I read a gigantic book on the Beatles by Bob Spitz forever ago, and I thought, oh, this might be interesting to listen to, and it was. But he talked about the fact that he had just released a book, Led Zeppelin. It's, I think it's just Led Zeppelin, the biography. Yes, it's Led Zeppelin, the biography. It just came out. I think his Beatles book was one of the first you know, rock books that I ever read that was just so detailed and so yeah. like i, I mean i don't stop. even remember tons of it other than just like i really thought like i was like oh i understand these people afterwards and and even he was very like listen we i know what led zeppelin is to a lot of people and it's it's the dumb rock or it's whatever and i thought the same thing too but i thought it was kind of interesting and he said something along the lines of like he has like a couple of criteria and one is like did it change the culture yes you know do people still talk about it yes you yeah. know and the, he based on that he was willing to do it. and he's done books on the beatles and he did dylan and he did he did reagan at one point but his <laughs> wife went over the criteria with him and he was like yeah i guess that makes sense and then also jimmy page basically gave him access to everything and uh, you know led zeppelin is famously secretive they hate the media they're very thin-skinned and i blazed through with a 20 something hour audiobook in a week or so because I really didn't know anything about it. It was pretty fascinating. Like, there's the thing I was like, boy, I don't know why Me Too has never gone to their area because they'd all be done, like, badly. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> Red Snapper. They would talk, no, it was Mud Sharks. <laughs> you know, and like, but I don't think that people really realize the extent to which all those stories about them that you think are blown out of proportion are not. They were so self destructive. And kind of awful people, except Robert Plant, who had a whole lot of shit happen to him. And he's like, I can't be involved with this anymore. And that's kind of what happened. He's the one who did the fish. No. No. Yeah, the whole fish story is Robert Plant. Nah, I mean, they were all nuts. Don't get me wrong. But he was the one who did got Did you read Hammer of the Gods? I actually never read Hammer of the Gods. But either way. You should read Hammer of the Gods. Not the point. Yeah. Oh, the oh, point boy. being, yeah. so like, uh. but like at some point, like they start doing cocaine in the 70s. And like. Yeah. Every couple of you know months, you're like, this is it. This is the end. And you're like, no, they go on for 10 more years. And, and it kind of gets to that point where it's just more and more and more drugs. And you're like, why aren't they dead yet? Why isn't Peter yeah. Grant dead? You know, and then, uh, and then obviously John Bonham died or whatever. But the other side of it was just that 
you know, I, I don't think it quite occurred to me in the way, but like Jimmy Page was a ge- that was the other thing. He said the band has to have a genius in it. And they had to have changed the culture. And like Jimmy Page is the genius, and that's sort of undeniable. Yeah. He he kind of destroyed himself. In a way that he's actually functional and walking around. And I read like a Rolling Stone interview with him from a few years ago, and I was like, he's lying about all of this stuff. <laughs> they never really make it clear when he came off drugs or if he did. But in like that interview, he was like, well, you know, I did some stuff and, it, you know, people overblew it or people overblew the Aleister Crowley stuff. It's like, no, they didn't. You bought his house like you were living like a Satanist occultist for a long time. It's just like the amount of excess is crazy. But then at the same time, every one of those albums has something on them that is really great. You know, and they didn't get great reviews or whatever, but I pulled down like a, I just pulled like a big Led Zeppelin playlist down and I was like, I know every one of these songs, every one of them. When we talk about bands and music and stuff like that, I often apply the Led Zeppelin measuring stick, which is like consecutive number of albums that are good, right? And with Zeppelin, it's at least four if not five, like if not five or six, right? yeah. I, I Ze- kind of, Zeppelin I, one, two, three, four. Uh, Houses, Houses of the Holy, Holy. yeah. Like talk no, about no, a no. run. People graffiti presence. Those are all yep. good. I mean, you could Dakota's odds and presence. Ends. Presence. presence has got some I think. Great songs I think. On it. Yeah, it does. But as an album, I think physical graffiti is really the end of that run. Is, is right? trampled and, and even and even then, physical physical graffiti was a lot. That being a double album was a lot for people. But like Houses of the Holy, like you take those first five records yeah. and like. Very few bands have such a solid, consistent run of albums. And and they also ended up at this time when music started to shift under them, and they went from being the greatest thing in the world to being kind of dinosaurs all within six years of itself, which is kind of silly if you think about it in retrospect. But if you think about where – listen to the Yardbirds that that Jimmy Page was in to stuff he's doing in Led Zeppelin – you know, two years later. No, and they they changed the culture. I mean, like they created arena rock basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and you know, I, I did find they spent a lot of time in exquisite detail of Jimmy Page's early life, less so the other guys because he was sort of. But then at the end, I felt like he didn't really wrap it up. It was like Bonham died and then it was kind of over. And I was like, wait, there was details yeah. that need. But like the extent to which they were involved with criminals in the UK, you know, and then yep. in the in the US, like they were in, the, you know, their lawyers were cl- were in the Vario crew. Like it was bad (laughs) it's just like this the stories go on and on and on so it is like it's a full-on sort of rock bio it was it's absolutely worth it either read the book or get the audiobook or or whatever but it's pretty fascinating if it's not your favorite band in the world it's it's no way you don't appreciate it and i'll be brief i wrapped up two seasons of tv uh recently on the recommendation of our good friend mike romo um despite not finishing the last expanse book i watched the expanse season six the series finale uh, season short six episode season totally fantastic did not even get in connor doesn't even get into any of the later book yeah. stuff like that's barely touches. Yeah. yeah it, it barely touches it like you see duarte but that's it like it's like one scene but it's weird that they did like the strange dog stuff so they're teasing laconia but they never dealt with it yeah they left the breadcrumbs to laconia they must have been helping for another reprieve somewhere yeah totally but it ended on a, it ended on a strong note it fe- i felt like okay this is it 
This was a great six-season run. I think feel like the last time we talked about the Expanse season five, talked about how the Amazon budget was visible. That continued despite being the you know a shorter six-episode run. Great effects. Although I will got to say is that I, I watched a lot of them in a row over the span of a week, and after watching a lot of them in a row as opposed to weekly, I got real tired of the ship flipping over, engine crackling noise as a scene trans as a scene transition. Can I tell <laughs> like you whatever? <laughs> there was one thing I noticed is that early on, like in the first part of the show, I thought they were really faithful to the idea of how space physics worked, and there was yes. no sound or anything. And in this, like, yeah. the, the sound discipline was out. There was sound everywhere in space. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? That used to be the best part of it. Yeah, but but I will say that, that the sound design I, it was one of the things I grew to like. Actually, I liked the sound of the crackling of the engine, and like and and it, it gave it a little more you know kind yeah, of presence. But like all all the sound that took place was what you would have heard in their space helmets, which is fine. But it was yeah, starting to be yeah. that there was sounds in space, and I got annoyed because that's one of the things that I loved about the books and the show so much is that they were like, no, the realism this is yeah, real. Yeah. You know, within the you know real space physics, basically. I will give credit to the, the again, and, and we talked about it with season five, but the actor they got to play Marco Inaros just gets better in season six. He's a little, I mean, like he's over the top in the right way. Over the top in the right way, the uh, mustache twirling villain, like the inhale through the nose while talking trick. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he can just like it was it was quite enjoyable to watch him chew up scenery. But uh that was very good. And then just last night I, f- I finally finished Cobra Kai season four, which I gotta give him credit. Just when you think the show can't have more of a future, those last ten minutes of the of the last episode is like, what? What? Oh my god, I can't wait till the next season. Was it good before that or was it just at the end? Because I gotta say I wasn't super excited. It got a little long in the tooth at some points with the season. Some stuff I didn't love, like they introduced a new younger kid, and it was it was kind of slightly annoying. And like I feel like some of the some of the conflicts are you know getting a little tired. I will say the addition of the villain from Karate Kid Part Three, the ponytail guy, Terry Silver, was welcome. I, I appear to be enjoying the villains in the show. I remember shows. that movie at all. I never saw that one. When you see him, when you see this, and you see the flashbacks, you will recognize him just from vaguely being aware the movie existed. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know yeah. what he looks like. I just don't know this story. I, I never watched past the second movie. You don't need to watch the third movie to get a sense of it. They do just enough with the flashbacks to get it. It was good. It was fun. I mean, it was definitely worth watching, for Does sure. Does it move forward at all? Yes. Like, with the stuff that's there? Like, we're not just treading yes. the same ground? It took a while. It tre- it did tread some water through the season, but b- by the last episode, like, let's say this. We started watching the second to last episode, and that finished, and my wife was like, let's keep going. We got to finish. Like, it, it, like you, the last two episodes are strong, and there's momentum, and there's actually- How many are there? How many episodes? I think it was 10 episodes. You require a lot of investment. They're pretty short. Yeah, they're <laughs> is short. It, they're is half it hour. Mr. Miyagi? Does he come back? Yes, he does. From the, He's a zombie. He's you can bring back awesome. Luke Skywalker. You can bring back- Pat Morita. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's my stuff. All right. So that's what we've been enjoying since the last, uh, I don't even know what the fuck we talked about the last 20 something minutes. Let's move on to our main point of topic, which is uh, the book of Boba Fett season one. If you're a patron, you you may have seen us talking about this already on our hangout in which we got very heated and passionate about our feelings on the book of Boba Fett. On last month's Media Explode, Ron attempted to bully me into watching this. I had no interest in watching it. Successfully, I might add. Well, yes and no. I watched only the last three episodes. I didn't watch the first part. Oh, you Which watched is fine. one too many. <laughs> yes, I know. We'll get into that. This is the first season of Boba Fett spins off of The Mandalorian Show, starring Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett and Ming-Na as, well, I don't even know the characters' names are. As Fennec Ming-Na. Shand. 
and a bunch of other people. So, guys, you watched all of it all the way through. We, when we talked about it on the, on the patron hangout, it was pre-Mandalorian showing up, right? Had the Mandalorian shown up at that point we talked about it on the media? No, on the he hangout? had not. He did okay. not. Yeah. So, you guys not big fans of the first half of the season? How did you feel second half, five, six, seven? Real briefly, just this, my standard disclaimer yeah. is that is yeah. that I, I I am employed by the Greater Walt Disney Company, which is also releases the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. So all opinions are my own; they do not reflect my job or anything like that. So I just want to be clear on that. But I've been baffled by the Book of Boba Fett because on paper this should have been a slam dunk. That's how I felt about Iron Man too. Boba Fett has such a great kind of history, great look and all that sort of stuff. And it should have just been, it's something that as Star Wars fans, I know personally for me, like, you know, me in the eighties would have been like, oh my God, there's gonna be a TV show about Boba Fett. Like that's, that's what we wanted. And this was like the slap in the face reality of be careful what you wish for, because (laughs) the TV show starring Boba Fett that exists in, in 10 year old Ron's head did not line up with what was in Mandalorian. Was not, was not, yeah, was not what lined up in John Favreau's head, unfortunately. Wait, but did you have expectations of this after you saw the character appear in The Mandalorian? Oh, I still even thought, I'm like, oh, this could be cool. Because the thing was, at the end at the end of Mandalorian Season 2, all we saw was that end, you know, end credits stinger with him, you know, kind of, you know, shooting Boba Fett, and, and not Boba Fett, shooting Bib, Bib shoot, Fortuna, shooting Bib, Bib Fortuna and then and sitting on Jabba's throne. And, you know, like, and for some reason, you know, through talking through, you know, my friends and coworkers and stuff like that, I got it, you know, the idea or the log line that we saw, which was like going deep into the crime underworld, you know, where, ta- you know, Tatooine, where Boba Fett becomes a crime lord. It was like, oh, cool. Sopranos in the Star Wars universe with Boba Fett. That could be cool, right? And... It, it it just wasn't. And the challenge was is that the first four episodes made a choice that a choice that I don't like and would not make if I was making shows like this or doing stuff like that, which is like I would prefer to leave a lot to be untold. I don't need to have every story and character beat between Return of the Jedi and this series explained and filled in. And it felt like it just the first four episodes just felt so weighed down and burdened by the need to explain everything, which I I just didn't want. I just wanted to see, you know, badass Boba Fett action. And what was funny was that the first four episodes and again, I, you know, I mentioned my wife a couple of times, but like I feel like she's a good barometer because she's not one of us. She's not a huge nerd. Like she just likes to watch TV for what it is. And we, we were like episode two or three. She finally stopped and she's like. Why are they they got they got it so right with the Mandalorian? How come they're getting it so wrong here? And then episode five, the Mandalorian shows up and it's awesome again. And we're like, why couldn't this be like this? Well, let's let's put a pin in the Mandalorian for a second because that's yeah. a whole other longer discussion. So I watched five, six, seven, and seven was the one that was the finale and sort of sort of brought, I guess, everybody back from the first four episodes. I didn't know. Yeah, I got enough. I understood what was happening. In fact, you didn't really need to watch the first four. I got a nice little three-part miniseries that was okay. Yeah, it was Mandalorian 2.5. What I didn't understand from watching that episode, the final one, is why. Why did Boba Fett try to take over the crime and tattoo? He didn't seem to want to. Yeah. In fact, the very last scene is like, it seems to be the crime lord doesn't want to commit any crime. Like, he didn't want, you know, no spice trading, no... Nothing. He was just sort of walking around going, do I want this? And it's like, well, then why are we doing it here? 
Why did you go through all this if you didn't want this? That is the main question of the whole thing. Why is any of yeah. this happening? What is anybody's motivation? And there is, there is no answer to that, as far as I could tell. They eventually showed you some motivation for why Fennec was there, and it was that he had had her repaired. And so I guess yeah. she was with him. But none of the rest of it made sense. It was this weird thing where they were they decided they couldn't make Boba Fett a criminal crime lord. A so bad guy. So he was just this bumbling doofus with an awkward smile walking around uh, holding his helmet for reasons nobody understood. Don't take the helmet off. Everybody makes this mistake. It's everyone loves this bad guy, so we're going to make him a main character, but the only way to do that is to make him a, an awkward good guy. Yep. As comic book readers, we've seen this happen in our entire comic book lives. Then if you're going to make that happen, then don't make him try to be a crime lord because he doesn't want to commit crimes. Right. Have him go to Tatooine to take down the crime lords or to do something else. But it didn't it seem to me that, you know, they're walking around at the end sort of successfully having destroyed Moss Espa in that giant battle at the end. And he's like, eh, I guess we're in charge now. And there's like it was like so noncommittal. He also kept saying, like, I'm doing this for my people. And I was like, What are your people? They right, don't know exactly. you. You don't know them. You're not from here. Like, that's the other thing that I didn't understand. Is like, he's not from... And, like, the, the first four episodes laid this groundwork of the years between Jedi and the Mandalorian where he gets adopted by the Tusken Raiders and we saw more of inside Tusken Raider culture than I ever wanted to see. Did we get a sense how long that was? How long it's been since Jedi? I looked it up. I think I looked it up. But I think it's meant to be years. I think years. Right. I assume it's years. I just don't know how it's five years. I think it's like years. five. Yeah. Eh. I mean, if he's living on Tatooine for five or six years, then maybe he considers his people at that point. I just looked it up. According to the internet, it tells me it's five years. So it would so. have made more sense, though, if based on that, then the Tuscans get slaughtered, and then he goes on a mission of revenge to avenge yeah. them. Okay, that I understand. That would totally make sense. But taking over Jabba's palace and becoming the Damio, there was no reason for it to happen. There was no... There was, I mean, I mean, to end of the day, if Tamara Morrison had had any ability to carry a show or any charisma to be able to do it, then none of that would have mattered nearly as much. But he didn't, and so you're like, why am I watching this person who is wearing the costume of a toy that I really liked when I was a kid, but otherwise have no connection to? Why am I doing this? And because I was talking, to, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I, I said, you know, like, I think the key to these Star Wars things is that for the most part anytime they try to explain what happened with characters who we already know it fails but when yep, you go of off and you do something that's sort of different you know the mandalorian worked because there were no strings attached it was familiar right. and also i mean you can put five seconds of pedro pascal's voice doing something and it has more charisma than any single scene that tomorrow morrison was in yeah and, and that's without showing his face in my brain that's boba fett it was cl- yeah that's the show we wanted as kids was the mandalorian yep. just change the name to boba yep. fett that's the show we wanted yeah. Uh-huh. He's wearing the costume basically. Like that is Boba Fett. That's the Boba Fett character. He's mysterious. He's driven. And yep. he starts off as a bounty hunter and that's how you sort of slowly change him into being someone who's more heroic is through meeting this kid and you see him change. Again, I didn't watch verse 4, but the last episode just none of it he did seem to make sense. Who's this Boba Fett character supposed to be? Boba Fett wasn't any good at anything either. Yeah. I mean like he kept getting his ass kicked. He kept showing up in places with no helmet, getting his ass kicked and I was like like is that was that the thing what was he were we supposed to see him get good at stuff and you know like the first scene in the mandalorian is he shows up he's like you're coming with me 
he kicks everybody's ass and he takes the guy away yeah. and he doesn't say a fucking yeah. word. Right. Well, that said, but there was there was an arc in the first season of Mandalorian where he kept on getting his ass kicked too. Like, yeah, yeah, let, but let's, that's let's, that's yeah. getting your ass kicked in Star Wars Han Solo way. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. he's a badass, and then he got in over his head, and he had to learn, and he came out around. But Boba Fett didn't do right. Right. He didn't do anything cool. Yeah. I tell you what, I didn't see the episodes, but I understood that you saw the last episode. It was like that. No, what I mean is, in that last episode, I wanted the big stone walls to fall on those kids. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I, I didn't spend very much time with them, but I was like, oh god, yeah. Yeah, that was something uh, heavy. Fall on this. Now the the, yeah. the the mods. Yeah, yeah the mods. Oh, just saying god. it. Every time they showed up, like nothing has ever stuck out in something so bad as not. They were anymore. from a different movie. Yeah. They were from a different a different everything. world. Like they didn't uh, look right. It was like yeah. I, I was making a lot of jokes during that point, and they would have been the worst thing that ever happened in Star Wars had it not been for the Twi'lek, who. <laughs> It was so close they were going to kill him. I was like, somebody, please, somebody, nope. please kill him. You know what was interesting is that that guy just had, like, the tails on his head, uh-huh. yeah. and that was it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Bib Fortuna had different facial features. He had weird yeah. teeth. Like, the nails. Yeah. Differently. Yeah. They made yeah. the Twi'leks yeah. in this just look like regular people. And what I kept thinking was the whole time, they he got a lot of screen time in the season finale, and I thought, yeah. somebody on this show thinks he's hilarious. Like somebody who's making this, and he's not. It was so, and it was just so cliche. They kept going back to it. It's like, this still doesn't work. I know. And no, it's, someone doesn't know it. Someone loved him. I will give them credit. I will, you know, like, like, like it wasn't all bad. Like, I'll, I can, I can meet in, I can meet in the middle. I mean, obviously, the Mandalorian episode five was like a breath of fresh air, and it felt like the Mandalorian it moved the Mandalorian story yeah. forward. Admittedly, I'm biased because comics and all this sort of stuff, but, but like seeing Black Cranston or whatever he's called, whatever you pronounce his name, but like the, the, the bounty Sant- hunter Wookiee. Santin. Kristanton was, they called him Santo, which I liked. I was like, look, <laughs> I thought he was great. Agree. How did he survive that end where they all jumped on him and He's beating on him? And then- yeah, that's fine. The horrible Trandoshans that don't look at all ferocious like Bosk did, you mean? It just like seemed like he was going to die, and then he shows up, and he's totally fine. And then he gets shot 15 times in the back, yeah. and he's fine. And I'm fine with that, yeah. though. That's I'm, fine with it. I'm fine with it. Fine with it. Fine with it. I was also freaked out by the Gamorrean guards, which again it was a dude in a, like a pig suit before. And now it's just a guy with a pig head, and I was like, yeah. "Why the body normal?" Exactly. Yep. It was so weird. So weird. But I, I, I thought Cranston, Cranston, Cranston was no. um, was a nice addition. I, I'm, I, I'm still conflicted over episode six and. Well, okay, we're gonna talk. Oh, let's talk about that right now. So I have a note let's about, talk about that. that. Yeah. yeah, we were prescient in the hangout, by the way. So the yeah. <laughs> the content aside for one moment, I was really upset. It's probably too strong of a word, but the choice to to make so many important things that happened to the Mandalorian and to Grogu happen in this show. Yeah, because I know lots of people who love the Mandalorian who did not watch the show. And they're going to be really confused when season three starts and they're back together on a ship. I just saw the viewership data today uh, posted in, in the press, not privilege or anything like that, but uh, said that the the last episode of Boba Fett had a 30% increase over the last episode of The Mandalorian season two. Right, so that doesn't affect the people I know who haven't watched the show. No, no, but I'm saying there's a lot of people who tuned in when they heard what was going on. That's yeah, but the point, it's, not know, hard so. to, it's not hard to get that information. Like yeah. If you love yeah. The Mandalorian, still- you'll figure it out. It's, but it doesn't. It it doesn't matter. It's. I think it's unfair to viewers to have. If you're a fan of a show, to have really important things happen in a different show. It's yeah. not like this show. They showed up and did something. It was they reunited. 
Well, to back together again, that was a really important plot point yes. to happen in a show not called The Mandalorian, I think is wrong. I think it's unfair to consumers. I'm not disagreeing with you about play devil's advocate is that at the end of The Mandalorian, they showed the preview for the book of Boba Fett. So it's safe to that's not assume that this, that's not the same. No, but, but it's, but it established a relationship. So I, no. so I'm, I'm just saying I could see why the people doing it f- did that because they, they think that this is a greater Mandalorian armor esque thing. And I, I do agree with you that it is confusing and it is. I like, think it's unfair. I think yeah. it's like having something really important to the characters and friends happen on Seinfeld. Yeah. Like Chandler and Monica get together on Seinfeld. Like that would no, be. No, no, I think I think a better a better example would be that if something happened in Friends that happened on ER because George yes, Clooney and O'Wiley were on an episode of Friends once, right? Yeah, like that because uh, they they established a, a loose connection. You know, I was shocked that like the first episode, fine, whatever. It's Mandalorian showing up and gets a ship. That's still kind of a big deal, but whatever. I was shocked by the re- having Grogu return to him happening on a totally different show. Yeah. And I think that's bullshit. I think it's bullshit, but for a different reason. Is that you've got this show, seven episodes. It's moving along. I mean, you know, like technically, it's garbage. I'm not even being flippant. Like, I I really think it was, like, utterly terrible. Like, everything. And then all of a sudden, in the middle, you have two episodes of a show that is a different show. show. And I just yeah. thought, why is this here? Unless, unless they recognize that it's a failure. The production's way too far out for that. No, yeah. I, no, 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 no. But e- no, even in, in the development stage, though, they would have. They were so they're they're breaking the episodes. They're saying, okay, this one is like we should put this story in the middle of this because at some point they recognized they needed to fill it in with something. Like if they had six or seven episodes of story for Boba Fett, they would have done it that way. But e- I mean, either even so, it it was it wasn't like they cut to it. It wasn't like they came together in the same place like they did in the seventh episode. Those were just two episodes of The Mandalorian. And to me, it was bizarre. They don't count as episodes of Boba Fett, as far as I'm concerned. They had nothing to do with it. It's very confusing. I've never seen anything like that. If you wanted to do a show where they're all connected, make it the show called Star Wars and just feature Mm -hmm. all the characters. But if you call a show The Mandalorian, you call a show Boba Fett, you shouldn't have something really important to one character happen in another show. I think that's I think that's unfair. So like if you're watching you're watching Mythic Quest, we'll see, we're just gonna go to the first season they did it. You know where you have all of a sudden there's a dramatic episode about the two people who started a game company, and you're like, what the fuck is this? What does this have to do with anything? And at the end, boom, you're back in it. You see why, and it works. And this is not that. This was just putting. It was a, weird. It was like putting. A, let's see, what was a show that was on around Friends that didn't last long? Oh God, there were so many. Whatever, um, just like you know, like uh, let's the, the Brooke Shields one. Okay, so suddenly Susan, right? Suddenly yep. Susan. Has, oh wow, you pulled that one. Has, suddenly Susan has 20, 26 episodes, right? And right. episodes eighteen through twenty-one are just Seinfeld. That's right. what it was. That's what I mean. That's why I think it's I think it's unfair to the viewer yeah. to expect Seinfeld fans to know they have to watch. Suddenly, Susan. Yeah, no, I, I agree. No, this is a lower, you know, like people know it's a couple of, it's all in the same place, whatever. I don't think a lot of people are going to be crying because they missed it. They'll figure it out. But it's odd and it didn't, it didn't make me think, oh, now Boba Fett's good. It made me go, no, they're just doing Mandalorian episodes. You know, like, oh, this, this album is terrible. Wait, there's three songs from Super Chunk on here. It's great. Nope, the rest of it's bad. Like, it's so weird. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's perplexing. I just, I, I just, I'm left with it being perplexing. It's not that. I think it wasted, like, it wasted my time. It's like I, I don't know. There's something about it that that sits wrong with me. 
it, like it's it's like they're saying that this is a shared universe. I was like, these they're not though, because I don't care about this story, and you know I don't care about this. You know, there's no way anybody making this doesn't know. Right. I'm saying I didn't have a problem with it being shared. I don't have a problem with the Mandalorian showing up. I don't have a problem with him, sure. you know, trying but to not what recruit Raylan Givens to help fight the battle. I don't have a problem with him being in the final episode. Like that all made sense to me. It was just solely the Grogu stuff. Mm-hmm. Even showing him with Luke, I thought was a mistake. But in terms of sh- having it happen on this show. But having such a major thing happen, like him coming, them mm-hmm. reuniting, was a fa- the real problem. But I like them together at the end. I like Boba and Mandalorian, you know, back to back against all odds. That was probably the highlight of the final episode. Can I ask their, you this question? Make it the last time. Yeah. As we're looking at the whole series, what percentage is too much Amy Sedaris? <laughs> because it came close. It came close. In, even in that last <laughs> episode, I'd say that was enough to cover the whole season. But that wasn't all of it. It was. I'm, I would say it was probably. Four to five hundred percent too much Amy Sedaris, and I like Amy. Sedaris. <laughs> and I like Amy Sedaris. I, I do, <laughs> I do, but it, you know, like I don't want to put ice cream on my Thai food. I mean, but I will, I will say that the Amy Sedaris scenes specifically in Episode Six really came close to solo level fan service detriment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't get me wrong. It was a little long, but the putting the Naboo starfighter together scene and and basically the Mandalorian ship being a, a you know a souped up Naboo starfighter was awesome, and that was like cool, very cool. But like my head hurt from jerking left and right, where she's like Treadwell, come over here, R five D four. What is that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is just where every droid on Tatooine that we know ended up, really. Like so, like yeah. I don't, I don't, know. And, and that is super Star Wars nerd. It, it was cool to out right actually there. use the battery droid, though. Yeah. I've never really seen that before. Yeah, Gonk. Yeah, look at Con- Connor just said something good about it. I just want to point yeah, that, that out. Is. No, I yeah. said I said the the final fight was cool with the two of them back to back. I love the Mandalorian stuff. Your dance around Episode Six, though, Connor. How did you feel about Luke? I loved it. That you loved great. it. You know, it wasn't Mark Hamill, right? It was an AI program. Yeah. It was an, a- but it was another voice. It was another actor doing some of the voice. Why didn't he do it? Some of it, but most of it was his young voice from the movies. No, I know, but th- there from was what a- I read. I noticed the cadence was off. I was like, "Why is he yeah. talking like this?" There's a couple of scenes where it was a different. It was a different actor who was doing a Luke impression, basically. Why? He's a professional voice actor. Yeah, they, they could have gotten him. Yeah, he's expensive. Whatever. Or not, or not available or, you know. Yeah. Whatever. I don't buy it. I thought he looked great. I thought he looked he looked way better than in Mandalorian. Yeah. Really? So you're pro, you were pro it? Yeah. I'd, I'd watch a whole show like that. So Really? Fast. I would not have predicted that. I agree with that. I uh, Yeah, you're right. It was Mark Hamill's face. Fascinating. Is it so because you were okay, post-Jedi? You were okay Jedi? with it? If it had taken place yeah. pre-Jedi, you wouldn't have liked it. But post-Jedi is okay. That's my guess. Yeah, because it's all new territory, like we were okay. saying earlier. It's all new ground. That's, so if there's a Jedi Academy show starring Luke, and it's AI Luke, you're okay with it? I'm definitely okay with that, as opposed to recasting, for sure. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I would not have predicted that. Yeah. The only thing I said during the hangouts, I didn't want people to recast the original characters. That's all. No, yeah, no. I, 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 I didn't understand. say I didn't want to watch yeah. it. I'll watch them CG. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Cool. Live and learn. All right. There you go. Cool. I think less is more. I think I think yeah. Luke showing up in Mandalorian was the perfect amount of that major kind of character showing up. I don't want Luke showing up every four episodes. And they yeah. tease the shit the out of I him love for him. a while, and you're like, what is yeah. it? Who is it? Oh, there he is. And then he's got, you know, like that. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Like it wasn't a lot. That was the perfect um, perfect way to do it. I wasn't upset. I, I actually really liked the scenes with him and Grogu, you know, mirroring his own scenes with Yoda, but like... Don't have him in every season now though, yeah. of the show. Well, yeah. I think you gotta, that will be you very be difficult really for them to not overdo it. Yeah. Um, I think oh, sure. one of the things that I think got paid off, and Connor, you didn't see the earlier part, but you know, having the Rancor come back, you know, and and be Rancor Kaiju 
throughout the city was kind of like, I was like, okay, this is sort of what they should have had in mind for a bit. But then they just had like five or 10 minutes of him tearing apart robots. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) He ate people in the other movie. Yeah. (laughs) Had him kill some aliens. Why? No, he ate it. He ate it. He did eat that guy. Yeah. He did. There was, there wasn't eating, but it was a lot of fighting robots. Yeah. there was Big droidicas. Like that's what he was. He was fighting giant droidicas. Like for a long time, those droidicas looked almost Battlestar Galactica droidica. Mm-hmm. So, that's what did you guys droidicas. like of the overall? Like taking it all into consideration, what did you guys? Black Cranston. Like? Black Cranston. <laughs> Black Cranston. I am the one who roars. Was there anything that Boba Fett did that you liked? No. No. Did you like him in the final fight? No. I, it was already too late by then. Like everything yeah. that had come it was before. Too late. Well, but seen everything. I will further push that. I did some reading into it because I wasn't aware of it, but but because I wanted to see what they were all talking about. But the whole references between Boba Fett and Cad Bane was referring cartoon. was referring to a storyline that never happened in the cartoon that Dave Filoni wanted to do. And honestly, I was like, oh, I'm slightly upset that they killed Cad Bane so quickly. He could have been a good protagonist in the show. I liked him a lot. I didn't know that Space like Sane Bane. of Killers was a, an existing <laughs> character. Yeah, he's a big like, deal in the cartoons. Yeah. Oh. It's space scene. Of but he, I thought he was cool. I thought he looked cool. I thought the character was interesting. Yeah, he's got a good look. He sounded cool. Yeah. Like, I wanted more of him. I'm like, oh, great, now he's dead. Why'd you waste him? Well, the part with him in the town with, with Raylan Givens was, yeah. like, you know, Star Wars has always been very Western influenced. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was very... With many other things, Samurai as well. But the showdown in the town, I was like, this is awesome. This is exactly yeah. what... I'm looking for. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad, hopefully, cro- fingers crossed, it looks like he's still he's not totally dead. He may come back as a robot, but No, you uh, you're talking about the, the Marshall, yeah. But but Marshall, Cad yeah. Cad Bane's dead. He seems to be. He got speared through the chest. What was the point uh, of that? Who knows uh, what his know. people do? Why did the fish people want to take over Tatooine? That it's was the, that was the location. question my wife asked. She's like, "Why is this even? A, why is this even an issue?" Like, uh, yeah. Then the one know. guy doesn't have his helmet on. I was like, "You're gonna uh, die. Why don't you geez. die? Why haven't you killed the Twi'lek?" Yeah. Also, like when Fennec Shand showed up in there at the end after the fight, when she finally got to Mos Eisley, and they're in that tiny room that apparently she can shoot and kill them all without being seen from outside. No I was sense. like, "What is?" It, it made no sense. Tiny yeah. room. A tiny room. Doesn't make with sense. No, with like one window, and they're like, "Where is it coming they, from?" And we saw all of it. There were no yeah, hiding exactly. places. It didn't make sense. Like I, you saw the the bolts coming from the top. Then she snuck in, and then she ran up the stairs and left. And it was like, what? <laughs> have two have two leads ever helmed a show with less charisma? I don't know. And she's yeah. a fine actor in what she does, but th- in this, like, she doesn't work. I don't buy her for a second. I it's just I don't understand why somebody at some point didn't go. These people can't. Well, we're already shooting it. Like, but they didn't have yeah. it. Like, those are not leads for a show. Yeah, it wasn't funny it wasn't menacing it wasn't interesting it wasn't any of the things that it needed to be and I, i'm not being overly critical i watched the entire thing waiting for some reason i kept asking these questions that were not even they didn't even attempt to answer them yeah it was insulting final question then they announced book of boba fett season two did they announce it no if they do are you watching it I mean, I hate that I didn't immediately <laughs> say no because it really well because this is the thing about if you're the Star Wars fan or whatever, and I'm I'm pretty far beyond the pale, right? We know that. Like I'm not getting sucked in, but for some reason there is a little part of me that's like maybe something good will happen. 
<laughs> like because it is so buried in my being that I really did think, well, maybe something good will happen. Then maybe this will be all be worth something, and and it wasn't, and that's what really bothered me. Yeah. So I want to say no, but I don't know that I would stick with it, and and no, I'm I'll not keep, happy I'm, about I'm, that. I'm gonna keep watching. Well, yeah, you obviously, but yeah, yeah. They probably test your badge to see if you've. you've <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's relatively there. There's a some... buzzer going off right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's fighting his way through yeah. electricity. <laughs> That's the book of Boba Fett. You can watch at Disney Plus. I do want to get to at least one email before yes, we Yes, please. Go. I want to do emails. Contact at ifanboy.com. This is from the Department of Complaint Department, guys. I love it. I think that department's going to get busy. So, James W. wrote in, and he said, Listener since 2010, I mention this only because I want to establish that I'm a fan of your show. I've listened to countless hours of you guys talking and enjoy your shows and banter. I'm not a first-time listener looking to nitpick. But... Uh, but 21, which was the last episode. That said... In the prelude to your discussion about the Peter Jackson Beatles thing, Josh says, quote, It is the most easy thing to nail a character's personality down if they say, well, the Beatles are overrated. You don't know anything, you know nothing. End quote. In all my years of listening to your shows, I don't think I've ever heard of any of you suggest that having an opinion contrary to yours makes a person ignorant. You actually usually seem to go out of your way to treat others' opinions with respect, and in the rare instance you cover media you don't enjoy, your criticisms are usually well-considered and respectful. You never seem to me to be the kind of podcast that trashes things for the sake of trashing. I was just taken aback because I'd never heard this kind of sentiment from you guys before, and that is one of the reasons why I like your shows. I've never heard, quote, you suck if you don't like Bendis, or, quote, you're ignorant if you don't like Kirby from you guys. It seems to me that part of the problem with this country right now is the automatic assumption that a difference wow. of opinion springs from ignorance or stupidity and the part of the person you disagree with. Just my thoughts. Before Josh responds, I would say that as you set that up, my thought was, oh, God, I hope it wasn't something I said. And the set, <laughs> and the feeling of relief in my chest I got when I hear that it was a Josh thing. So, Josh, please take the stage. No problem. You got it wrong. You got it completely I think he's mixing wrong. things up here. He is mixing <laughs> things up. And this is very key. If you look at my history of writing and talking on the website, um, and I've written about this, you can look up iFanboy Overrated. I think that that is the completely weakest criticism that anybody can make about anything. Saying something is overrated is basically the same thing as saying everybody likes this and I don't, so they must all be wrong. I'm not saying you have to like the Beatles. I don't think if you don't well, like yeah. the Beatles, there's lots of people who don't like the Beatles or don't get it or whatever. Fine. I'm saying if you say the Beatles are overrated, then you are completely missing everything. You don't have to like it, but you cannot deny their place influence. in the world and influence in the world of rock music and popular culture. And to mm. say it's overrated to me tells you that you don't really understand how culture works. That is not to say if you don't like it, you don't have to like it. There's lots of bands who I don't like, but I can recognize they're important. I can't stand Sonic Youth. But in the culture of music that I really like to, they're incredibly important and are super influential. So here's a question. Yeah. Do, you, do you find any band or uh, would you ever use overrated as a term or you don't even you're just saying don't even say that? I don't like overrated as a term to criticize something because it doesn't say anything. Your, your argument when saying something is overrated is that other people like something too much. And that's stupid. Right. That's not a criticism. I think it's important to look at the language in this email and, and recognize that he split off in the middle. So yes. the quote he has from you, and I, haven't, I, don't, I didn't go back and listen. I assume this is an accurate quote. You said, you can't call the Beatles overrated if you do your wrong. That's basically the, the gist of your quote. And then at the end, he yes. says, it's like saying, I, you suck if you don't like Bendis or you're ignorant if you don't like Kirby. That's, That's not what, what you said. said. And to use a Kirby analogy, 
it's perfectly fine to say, I don't like Kirby's art. But if you say, I think Kirby's influence on comics is overrated, that is a factually incorrect statement. Yes. Right. Yeah. Just like the Beatles are factually one of the most influential rock bands of all time. It's a factual statement. It's not a statement about their quality or if you like them or not. Like Josh said, plenty of people don't like them. That's totally fine to not like them. But you can't deny that they've influenced. I mean, when I used to work at a TV studio, we had a lot of rock bands on. It was called the Beatles setup. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the way we had to we had to put the cables down because yeah. that was the Beatles setup. And this was in ni- two thousand and one. Yeah, like that. You can't deny the influence. That's a fact. The quality. Whether you, that's that's your opinion. You're entitled to it, and everyone has their own opinion. I just quickly looked up overrated because I love to see. And, and the dictionary definition is rated or valued too highly. And the example is quote an overrated player. Right, which which Connor, you know, thinking in all of our conversations about baseball yeah. and things like that, yeah. really makes me think about it. Where it's like, you know, there's somebody who, for whatever reason, you know, I, I I tend to believe that value, like value, is dictated by the market. So like, you know, like let's say let's say Connor, you were a ball player and you were able to get thirty million dollars a year, oh, man, be so great. and Hank goes, yeah, Connor's overrated because he's not good. He doesn't deserve thirty million dollars a year. I'm like, yeah, but he got it, so clearly he is. You know, like that. Right. You know, like it's it's that that sort of thing. But what's interesting when when talking about it in 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 an artistic format when it comes to comic art or to music or to things like that, where is the rating coming from? Right. I mean, like what is there, there's no, there's no numeric value that you're determining is over, you know, like it, it's, well, it's well, fascinating to it's, think it's about. Because so. to me, if you, if let's, let's art, cause in baseball sports, like I, I kind of understand that that's it's a different, there's thing. a value there. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. A number. And, and there's numbers and there's everything. Yeah. But when we're, when we're talking about art and, and it's, it's really, you know, we look at the Beatles and just say, all right, I've read a lot of books about musicians and bands. I've listened to a lot of interviews. And like musicians of a certain era, if you listen to the interviews one after another, it's when did you decide you want to do this? Well, I turned on Ed Sullivan and it changed my life. I can't tell you how many people have said that. It's everyone from the 70s. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, specifically, I know Bruce Springsteen said that. I know that, you know, a lot of Americans. Elvis Costello. You know, right. So it happens over and over again. And, well, he didn't watch it on Ed Sullivan. But still, um, You know, it's the Beatles, and then later it's Black Sabbath, and then Kiss, and the Ramones, and like that's just sort of where that goes in sort of the music I listen to. But that influence, like, just overrated when we're talking about art means everybody else likes something, and I don't think they should. You know, what's so fascinating is that is that I just I just googled you know what are the most overrated bands, and of course I got someone asking that on Quora, and it is. F- fucking hysterical to see some you know everyone's like listen being overrated doesn't mean it's bad it means they get more praise than they deserve it's subjective this is my personal opinion and then there's a litany of people who are explaining why they think nirvana is overrated why bob dylan is overrated why right why acdc is overrated those are people who changed history you are off the track though yeah they're not talking about whether you like them or not yeah. You were talking about the Beatles' influence on the musical culture, and that is different than whether or not you like their music. Well, and that's yeah. what Josh was saying. If, yeah. you don't, if you think that the Beatles weren't the, one of the most influential bands of all time, then you don't understand the history of music. Just the way we're saying, if you think Jack Kirby's overrated the influence of comics, you don't understand the history of comics, not whether or not you like their style. That's a personal choice, and that's a personal I preference. will take it a step further, though, is that <laughs> I, I don't think that you can say it's not good. Yeah. I think you can. You can, you can say that you, you don't like it, which is not the same thing as saying it's not good. Yeah, that's gets still murkier. I think that's. I, I know, I but even that, like even that thing that, that Connor that the Ron just read out, it was like this is. It's not saying that they're not good. It's just saying that everybody thinks they're too good. Well, that means they're right. not good. Like that's right. not that. That is again. That's your opinion. But by any objective measure, and and also, 
there are arguments to make. And my stereotype here when I said that is that almost every conversation I have had with somebody that led with or included the Beatles are overrated was followed by a string of inanity that was not based in anything substantive or that I would care to pay attention to. It was not a qualified opinion. Now, there might be a qualified opinion about this somewhere, but I've never had experience with it. So I am stereotyping in that way because if somebody starts with the Beatles are overrated, I don't care what they have to say because it's not an interesting point of view. It's always somebody trying to be like edgy. I know that there are people listening to me go, Josh, have you heard yourself? But, you know, like like the Beatles, come on. <laughs> that's not, that's... Right, but the, I think the point is, 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 you weren't saying you can't like them. No. You you can totally not like them. I the, the, totally understand but, how you could not like them. Somebody in this thread said, hands down, Joy Division. Joy Division profited from the Messiah effect after Ian Curtis's suicide. Rock credits hated disco and worship post-punk, so he was declared the new Jesus Christ. Didn't matter that he couldn't sing. And that's always, okay, right there. There's your thing. So that criticism, and I don't want to read the comments of morons anonymously on the internet, but the criticism is always from people who are looking at minor things and, and extrapolating it. Like when you listen to guitar players, I'm a guitar player, so I've read a lot of dumb guitar player shit, and you'll hear them say things like, Cobain couldn't even solo. It's like, you're, not, you're missing the point. With three chords, he made the world feel a thing, which changed how everybody did it. Yeah. You know, the, the Beatles, same deal. Like, you know, like, if you understood it, if you said, well, Jesus, did anybody before this write and perform their own songs? No. Well, right there. That changed everything. Right. Did any yep. British bands make a huge impact in the United States and change what rock music sounded like? Nope. You know, you can't say, I don't, listen, I don't really like Elvis Presley all that much. He yeah. sure as fuck not overrated. Like, yeah. his influence on the world, he didn't write a single song, ever. But, you know, he changed everything. Bring it back around. If someone wrote into us and said Jack Kirby is overrated, we would say the same thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. We would say the same thing. You, you can, you like can not like it. You can not like it, but it, the impact is there, and it, it, that's undeniable. Let's go out on a quick one. All right, Kevin M. Both Josh and Connor have mentioned one Neil Stevenson book that stands above the rest. Which one was that? I have an Amazon gift card burning a hole in my life, and I need a seven hundred page book to get lost in. So, guys, what is the one Neil Stevenson book that Kevin M. should use his Amazon gift card on? I mean, it's either Seven Eves or Cryptonomicon, but I think it's Seven Eves. Seven Eves. Yeah. I mean, Cryptonomicon for years, I said, was my favorite book, but I think Seven Eves is tied with it. I went back and read it again. Then. So, he must be talking about Cryptonomicon. So, I'm going to say it very slowly for Kevin. Cryptonomicon is the book that for years Josh and I said was our favorite Neil Stevenson book. I think we both have changed that since, although I would love to go back and reread it. <laughs> I've tried to a couple life. times and I didn't make it. I mean, here's the thing though. I always fall back Snow Crash as being the the one that started it all for me and yeah. like super important and, and I love. I haven't read it since college, so I don't know if it holds up or not. Maybe I need to revisit it. It's also very short. Yeah, yes. it's true. It's very short. I did enjoy Reemdy in terms of being like Reemdy a slice great. from the world, at least the 2010, you know, kind of, you know, that, that world that was in and capturing it very well. But Seven Eves felt the most accessible from all his books in like a singular kind of like, here's a high concept, but done in a way that I can understand and I can relate. And I'm not, I'm not getting too lost in the same way that you get lost in Cryptonomicon. I know? think 70s is the one that brought all of his things together in one. Yeah. So it's, the, it's a big science thing, but the first part is pretty personal. You know, you're yeah. spending time with real people. And the book makes a, a drastic jump. And in all but the most capable hands, it would have fallen apart 
which it did in uh, fall, by the way. I mean, it's the same sort of, he yeah. tried to do it again and it didn't work. But in that book, there's almost two separate books, three. It's three there's three phases in that book. And every one of them is, is once you get your sea legs and adjust to it, you know, you, you can't get enough of that one. Yeah. 70s is terrific. It's much more sci-fi. My favorite, I still think, is Reem D. It's much more techno thriller than sci-fi. He, is, he, does, yeah. he plays in various genres. And so if you're looking for something more sci-fi oriented, then 70s, we'd all recommend it. If you're looking for something perhaps more action adventure techno drama, thriller, Reem D is probably my favorite of his books. But, you really? know, yeah. You can't go wrong, though. With, you uh, can't no, go wrong no, with no, Chris no. You can't go wrong with... I, mean, I, I did the Diamond, Diamond Age. Age. Diamond Age is great. And uh, going way back to Cobweb, Cobweb's great. I love Dodo. I will say that everyone who listens to us for as long as we've been doing this know that the fact that all three of us universally love Seven Eves at the same time, like, says a, I think says a lot for that book. Like, yeah. we, we, you know, like that was something that, like, all three of us could not get enough. And, like, and we had inside jokes born from it. And, like, it was like, like, it was. My copy has gone missing. Wow. I don't have it. I was looking at my Neil Stephenson book shelf today, and I was like, I don't know where this book went, and I think I suspect it's been sabotaged, <laughs> because I live with someone who does not like that book. What? I gotta say, there's nobody else that I can think of, at least in fiction, where you're a thousand pages into a book and you don't want it to end. That's what it yeah, felt like yes. reading the bar- Baroque cycle for me. I was like, I yeah. never, ever want these books to end. You know, that's so special. Nothing, nothing, and nothing's better than that, by the way. That feeling. If you have the gift card and you want to need one book and you want a sci fi story, get Seven Eves. If you want like an action adventure story, get Reem yep, D. R E A M D E, Seven Eves, S E V E N E S. Can't go wrong with either of those. Yeah. And then, uh, so there you go. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can write in. Like Kevin and James, if you have a complaint, if you have a question, if you want a topic you want us to discuss, write us in, put media exploded in the t- subject line so we know it's for this show and not for the main show. And thanks to everyone who does that. And thanks for the patrons at patreon.com slash fanboy for unlocking the show. We really enjoy doing it. And we'll be back next month with our pre-Oscar show, which we'll get to go through the movies we saw and what we thought about them. And until then, I am Connor. I'm Ron. You guys are both overrated. <laughs> I think that's been clearly established. Yeah, no, I, was, I actually don't think I can argue with that. 